welcome back to Ratchet and Wrench Radio, strategies and inspiration for auto care success. I'm your host, Chris Jones, where today I'm joined by Chelsea McDonald, the manager of Certified Transmission in Bellevue, Nebraska. Uh, Chelsea was our featured story, along with two other service advisors, Keenan Walters and Anya Johnson, in the May issue of Ratchet and Wrench. The story was called Million Dollar Advice. So as you might guess, we're going to be talking about service advisors. That's right. So Chelsea's going to hop on, talk about things that she's experienced as a service advisor coming over from the healthcare space, how caring for people is number one for the service advisor, working with technicians and why service advisors need to really understand how their techs work, schooling yourself, really taking the time to learn your job and even learn the jobs of the technician to the best of your ability and really how to have that winning mental edge that it takes to be the service advisor. So Chelsea's going to talk about all that. Here she is. Well, hey, Chelsea, welcome to Ratchet and Wrench Radio. Well, hello. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. Well, so you come to us from Certified Transmission in Bellevue, Nebraska. Tell us about your shop. Yes, so I have, uh, I manage a shop here, Certified Transmission, like you said, in Bellevue, Nebraska. Um, There are, there's myself, my service advisor, as well as our diagnostician and two R&R technicians. Certified Transmission was started in 1972, I believe, and I've been here since 2020, I do believe as well. So it's been, it's been awesome. We've been kicking butt. Very nice. Yeah. So in our first conversation, you told me that you came from the healthcare space. Uh, how did you, uh, you know, how did, uh, how'd you do in your past life? What'd you do? Yeah. So that's a great question. Yeah. I took a, I, I joke and say, I kind of took a, a strong left turn, if you will, <laughs> um, in the industry world. So I worked in healthcare. I had been there since I was 16 I started working with people with disabilities and I just, I loved taking care of people, but then my journey led me to Omaha, Nebraska and wasn't sure if I wanted to get back in the healthcare world a hundred percent, although I knew I was going to miss taking care of people because I know that's what I, I excel in. So my now husband, actually, he worked for Certified Transmission at one of the warehouses, and he said, you know what, they're hiring for an advisor, you should give it a try. And I thought, uh, that's not my thing. <laughs> no, like I grew up on a farm and all, but not sure. And anyway, I, I ended up trying it, and then I feel to this day, it's it's the best decision I personally ever made. This company is so amazing to work for, and I learned very quickly that not only am I telling people, like, quote-unquote, what's wrong with their car, but I am taking care of people at the same time by being a shop that people can trust to come in and feel like they're, you know, talking to a friend or a family member and feeling confident in what's being told to them and, and trying to change change that industry in a way and being one of those shops that people don't feel like, you know, you never want to go to a shop, repair shop. You just don't. <laughs> you know, right. there's going to be um, a factor there, but at least uh, shops like mine and there's other shops out there, you know, these us being one where people at least can come in with a smile on their face knowing they're being going to be taken care of and being told the truth about what's going on um, is just a great feeling to have. Yeah, and talk about the the skills that translate you translated from healthcare to to being a service advisor. Like, how what was transferable, and you know, how did you kind of 
you know, make that shift, so to speak. Right. Yeah. So, you know, at first I thought it was honestly going to be kind of impossible. Like I'd honestly have to start from complete scratch as far as that goes. Um, and very quickly I learned that, you know, for one, how I talk to people and my, my customer relation skills, you know, when you work in healthcare, you're not just talking to the, the clients that live there, but also their guardians and stuff. And you have to be professional and, you know, act that way at all times. So I was able to transfer my, my people skills and how I'm a very empathetic person. I am able to relate to people very well. So that was able to be transferred as well as, you know, um, the money side of things, understanding how that works. And a lot of it mainly was just the, the customer relations was huge, you know, being able to transfer that over to here and making a difference in that aspect. Right. And you talked about how much you loved caring for people. Like, how did that translate into the auto world? Like, how are you caring for people on that same level, you feel? Yes. So it's a little different of a, you know, before it was more like very hands on in the healthcare world, taking care of people with disabilities, um, helping them live a really great life that they can live. Whereas here, it's more transferred into the fact that, you know, for example, I had a customer here yesterday with a Volkswagen and he was just kind of beside himself, didn't know what kind of decision he wanted to make if he was going to put a transmission in this vehicle. And I was able, you know, to sit there and show him all his options on paper and to empathize and help him go with, okay, well, let's write, you know, let's think of what's the pros to this car. Okay. Well, it's not really rusted. We can call that a pro and what's the cons. And, you know, it was so, it was so amazing. I use this example because after talking with this man for quite a few, you know, probably 30 minutes last night, he came back this morning and said, you know what? Cause last night he, he took his keys and was like, you know, I, I just don't think it's what's best for me. And I said, you know, if it's not something you're confident in, that's a big investment people make with their cars. And I want you to know that I want you to make the best decision for you. So take all that information, go settle down tonight and see what you think. And he came back in this morning and said verbatim that, you know, Chelsea, I did a lot of thinking. You guys have been nothing but honest to me. I feel so comfortable around you. You've given me all the stuff I needed to last night decide that I am going to fix my car here because I know I'm going to be taken care of here. And that is what makes my job so amazing is people like that, that are confident. And, you know, that's how I help care for people in the auto world. You know, I've had people come in in tears and, we just literally, sometimes I take that person and say, well, let's just go sit down for a second. <laughs> let's sit down. Let's talk about it while we sit, you know, more relaxed time versus standing up and talking about things. Um, I feel that that's how I've put, put that over into caring for people here. Okay. So, you know, that's very empathetic, which, you know, I want to dive into a little bit is like, do you think that's the number one role of a service advisor really to get on the customer's level? Or is there something else that you think is like the paramount quality of a service advisor? I honestly feel as a service advisor, a, a big thing is, yeah, making sure you're taking care of people, making sure you sound professional on the phone and, and empathetic with them when they say, Hey, I'm broke down. You know, my vehicle quit moving. It shouldn't just be, oh, okay, do you need a tow? It should be, oh my gosh, I'm sorry to hear that. You know, are you okay? Absolutely, I'll help you with a tow. Um, where are you at? You know, 
and going, you know, saying things like that to people and yeah, getting on their level. If they're sitting down waiting for us to tell them the news, go sit down with them, be relaxed with them, get to know them. Um, because that, that's success right there. I, I wholeheartedly believe that if you're open and honest with a customer and you're not extremely pushy and trying to get that next sale, everything will fall into place. It's, it's all about people making, you know, feeling comfortable with you. Right. And, you know, so in terms of just the, the advisor, you know, themselves, you know, like, you know, when you walk in the front door at, you know, eight o'clock in the morning, seven thirty in the morning, how does the advisor need to show up for work every day? Like, what does that energy need to look like? That's a great question. So I feel like our energy here, expectations is um, and should be everywhere else is get ready for that day. High energy. What honestly, personally, what I do every day is. I get to work a little early, sit in my car and go, today's going to be a great day. Today is going to be an awesome day. And I actually learned that at a sales fix uh, seminar in Tennessee, one of the coaches that was there, I, I'm sure it was probably Aaron Stokes, more than likely is who said it, but don't quote me on that. Um, yeah, like you can't fumble by next to the door, open the door and go, oh my gosh, it's 7 a.m., it's Monday. Oh my gosh, we have so much to do. No. And, you know, deep down, you may feel that way. But again, it's all about hyping yourself up before you walk in that door. Today's going to be an awesome day because the minute you open almost 98% of repair facilities, you're going to have people dropping off their vehicles pretty early um, and going to work. So you better be ready to be at that front counter and smiling and saying, hey, good morning. How can I help you? Oh, you're Mary. Awesome, Mary. Nice to meet you. I'm Chelsea. All right, so we have it, your vehicle coming in for this and this. You know, I, I hope you have a great day. You know, having that high energy right off the bat is huge. And do you think the advisor sets the tone for the shop in a sense? A hundred percent, yeah. I mean, the advisor is the first person these customers see. That is the first impression they're going to get of the shop is, you know, not only the advisor, but making sure the shop looks nice, the office area looks nice, what customers can see looks good, in the shop it needs to look nice. And But again, before that, it even that every customer look, is going to look straight. When they're walking in that door, they're looking straight for that advisor that's standing right at that front counter, ready to check them in. Um, that's, that's huge. The impression will be huge. Okay. And what skills do you think the best advisors have, you know, like what, what skills do you think an advisor really needs to pursue to be like, you know, on their A game? Yeah. So another great question. Um, I would say customer relations would be huge. I talk about that a lot. I already have <laughs> being a people person, knowing numbers, like knowing shop numbers, knowing where to find parts and knowing how to work on your feet. And what I mean by that is multitask, you know, you may have a customer walk in the door and be talking to you in the next minute, the phone's ringing. How are you going to approach that? How do you make sure both things are being taken care of? How do you look at a customer and, you know, you should be going, oh, hey, so sorry, one second, let me grab this, take their information that way. You don't miss that call because, you know, somebody may, you may not answer and the next, that person's like, oh, on to the next. Um, so organization is huge. Communication with your team is huge. Those are some big factors in being a great advisor. Okay. So you know, on your journey, you know, you're, you're the manager now, but you were formerly, you know, the, a million dollar advisor at the shop there. You know, what did you have to learn along the way to get from, 
you know, entry level all the way up to just being at the pinnacle of your game? What were some of the things that you had to take in and learn and study to grow? Right. So a big thing I had to learn was, or a couple big things, I would say. I mean, one big thing was because of coming from the healthcare field, I definitely did not know anything and everything about transmissions. Um, 100% honesty, I, I didn't know. So I had to humble myself from, you know, when I was in the healthcare field, I was pretty confident, you know, I had been doing it for 10 years so very confident in teaching people. I was usually the act, like one of the leads at where I worked and trained people. I had to humble myself and go, you know what? I don't know everything right now. And I'm going to have to open my ears and, and listen, listen to the manager that trained me, listen to his advice, watch training videos, really do better for myself. And to this day, I still on the side outside of work, watch motivational speakers um, online. And, you know, you gotta be, you gotta be willing to want to do better and feel like you're in the right place. So I also would go out to the shop, you know, to learn more about the transmission side of things like, you know, max adapts. Well, what the heck does that mean? Okay. I need to go out there and talk to my tech and learn this stuff and see how he does things, see where everything's at on the car, how you have to take a transmission out. And of course, every car is different, but physically humbling myself to learn and really study and having, you know, I even told the techs and the manager, quiz me. I want you to quiz me, um, you know, and he, the manager that trained me, he would also call the shop phone on his cell phone and we'd practice like role playing on lead calls and sales calls and things like that. And really putting in that work to be open to listening to the people that have been doing this for a long time. That was a big thing that I had to do to, you know, to keep moving forward is just again, open ear every day. You can learn something different. I feel like I can be a hundred years old and I'm not going to know everything. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. And you touched on something I want to talk about and that's the rapport between the advisor and the technician. Can you talk about that? Yeah, absolutely. So the rapport within advisor and a technician is huge. You got, you have to be able to trust each other. You are helping each other make not just the shop money, but making your paychecks, like our paychecks. So trust is going to be huge. Get to know your techs. I, you know, I feel like every shop should have a monthly meeting where you guys all like, whether you get breakfast that morning or do lunch and sit and have lunch or breakfast together and have some topics of discussion. Cause you know, during the day, every day you stay pretty busy. So things, you know, you don't get as much time to talk, but also get to know each other. I mean, I, we joke here, we're here 10 hours a day together. We better get along. <laughs> that's, that's expected. So, you know, that relationship between an advisor and a tech again is huge. Um, and the communication and the willingness to be team players is, is crucial. If, if you don't get along with each other, if an advisor and a technician aren't seeing eye to eye, you will slowly watch things kind of crumble and it's just not going to be fun for anybody. All right. And so with that, you know, what does an advisor expect? I mean, sorry, let me rephrase that. What does the tech expect from an advisor? Like, you know, for the tech to do his job well, what does he want the advisor to do? Yeah. So a lot of it's communication and to kind of get more into that, you know, as far as 
the advisor going out to the tech if if you just sold like a simple like a fluid uh, transmission fluid service walking out and saying hey i just sold this you know when you're done doing you're midway through this job you know or something or after this job will you hop in and do that it's that car right out there okay sure um Another big thing is ordering parts. As an advisor, you should be ordering, making sure that you have, like for the next car, if you know that car is gonna get ready to, your tech's about, or is going to do the job, right after you sell that job, you should be ordering all the parts necessary for your technician. That way it's here, it's ready, and he's not gonna stand around waiting saying, hey, where's that mount? Oh, sorry, I haven't ordered it yet. Well, now he's got a car apart and now he's gonna have to wait you know, have, let him, he or she needs to trust that, just have everything ready for him. Hey, have a room designated. We have a room here designated for all parts. And what we do too is after the advisor checks the parts in and we're writing, we have sticky notes, write the note at what the work order number is, as well as what kind of vehicle it is. That way they're not going, oh, geez, I have five axles here. What goes to what? Nope. It's got to all be organized for them because the more organized you are, the quicker the tech can be at getting his job done. Okay. And so tell us about your approach to this when you were learning how to work with technicians. Like, you know, what did they teach you or, or what did you go to learn from them so that you could be better at your job and better at helping them at theirs? Yeah. So I learned from, I learned so much from the techs and I still do to this day, but as an advisor, they taught me a lot about, you know, when a vehicle needing needed maybe something extra, say we have the transmission out and he sees that we need an axle or a mount, you know, they would be amazing about coming in and saying, hey, let me show you this mount up here and why I think it needs replaced and having that communication and showing me what all these different parts are and how this transmission works. Um, and... Shoot, I lost my train of thought. <laughs> um, say that question again. I'm so sorry. No, I was saying basically, what was your approach to learning from your text? Like, you know, to be able to help them work oh, better sure. with you. Goodness gracious. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> yes. <laughs> I would also um, go out like, and I still do. I go out into the shop without them having to come see me and check on them. Hey, how's this car going? You know, oh, what's this? And um, that's kind of the approach I would also make too, to show them that I care about what they do and how they have to do it and the process that they have to do and just continue, I guess, to communicate with them and gain a relationship with them. Like, Oh, how was the weekend as he's working on something and I'm watching, I mean, things like little things like that. Okay. Now on the customer facing side, you know, how, do, how do the best advisors work with customers? Oh, that's a good question. Hmm. How do the best advisors work with customers? I feel like it kind of goes back to no. Yeah. A good word or a phrase would be know your customer. We are all different people. We all have different personalities. So I feel it's an advisor's job to get to know that person in a sense of, you know, just a couple like, random questions when you're checking them in you know oh, where are you headed this morning or this afternoon work oh where do you work and remembering little things like that because you really shock them when you say hey how was work today at, at walmart oh wow you remembered that or hey how was the kids' day at school you said you had two right that just mind blows them that you actually retained that information 
And that's a huge way to really gain rapport is showing that you do care about them besides just what they're here for. Um, so I feel like that's a huge role in advisor, like how you kind of get in with the customer is asking little things like that. Again, maintaining a composure, being professional, smiling at them, be careful with your facial expressions. <laughs> um, that can be hard at times. You know, I was guilty about it where, you know, I show a lot in my facial expressions and you just have to sometimes tone it down and, Again, just maintain a very nice, friendly, personal, um, personable personality. Oh, that's so good. And I would have never thought about the facial expressions. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I lived and I learned. I, I think it was one time where I think I kind of rolled. I don't, it did, wasn't directed in a mean way, but it was like I kind of rolled my eyes and giggled. And, you know, a person kind of looks at you like, well, what, what was so funny there? And it's like, oh, my gosh, like, I didn't mean it like that. <laughs> you know, some people can take things a little differently than what shows on our facial expression. Yes. Yeah. And that was something I wanted to ask next. And you kind of segued into it, but maybe there's another story that you want to tell me. But, you know, what was a what was a customer service mistake that you made early on, like as you were learning and you could look back and say, man, what was I thinking when I did that? Oh, let me try and think a customer service mistake I have made. Um, hmm. Gosh, that's a good one. Honestly, timing I have made a couple, a couple mistakes with timing or yeah, timing on when repairs should be done. And as little of a mistake as it sounds, people being without their cars for more than two days or a day, even some people only have one car. And when you're off on, oh yeah, repairs will be done in five to seven business days. That's a pretty common thing here that we have to say. And if you're off on that timing and you don't update a customer, that's really, that was a big mistake I made early on was, I can't remember, you know, very detailed, but you know, and I, unfortunately I have to admit, I made it a couple of times until I was like, Oh my gosh, Chelsea, get it together with your organization. Um, where a customer called and was like, Hey, uh, haven't heard from you. It's been like five days just trying to check in and see how my car is doing and you feel terrible. You're like, why didn't I update? All it would have taken was a simple update because even though you say five to seven days or you say three to four days, a customer's brain and even my brain, we operate the same. We hear three. We don't hear three to four. We hear three because we're hoping for the best case scenario in our brains. So I have, I had made a customer a couple times had made somebody kind of upset and it kind of, it's like, okay, you can't even pick up the phone to call me. Like, did I, you know, then their brain starts turning like, geez, like this is kind of frustrating. I have to call them. Um, so that was, that was, that's probably, those were probably my worst mistakes because all it takes to keep a person happy. And now I do, I have like a little planner cause I'm still pen and paper girl. <laughs> yeah. Um, I have a little planner that sits right in front of my computer where I write every day who I like, I, and I do it right after I sell a job. I say, um, okay, yep. And I'll probably give you an update. And then let's say, Oh, today's Wednesday. You know what? Tell you what, I'll update you Friday, how things are going before our weekend hits. That way you have a nice update before I leave. And you know, as much as I do about how the parts are coming along, um, if I have to order them and takes a few days to get it built or what have you. 
And I literally, as I'm telling the customer that, I am writing on my planner, Friday, update Miguel with his Ford F-250. And I stay true to that now because, again, I, I don't like making that. I don't want to make those mistakes again because I have had customers, some people get pretty upset that they have to call you with an update on their vehicle. And it's it's not okay, you know? <laughs> it's yeah. just not okay. Right, and, and talk about that a little bit, you know, as an advisor, of course, you know, you're going to deal with the upset customer. You're going to deal with the customer that just is really, or, or the, or the anxiety, the anxious customer. How do you, sure. how do you work with them? How do you talk to them and, you know, either calm them down or kind of get them on a, a level plane again? Right. So I feel like the key to customers that are upset is don't get upset with them. That may sound obvious, but <laughs> it's really not. You you want to get worked up too, and it, it's not worth it because your frustration and how you, if you're, as, you're elevating your voice with them, you're going to get nowhere. You maintain a calm, even keel. And, you know, as an advisor, if, if you can't get them calmed down, that's when you get to the manager and, Again, it's just all about being calm and be empathetic. You know, you may in your head go, gosh, this Joe is just so wrong on this. Well, too bad. (laughs) Empathize. I'm sorry you feel that way. I'm so sorry you feel that way. You know, you're not saying that they're right. You're saying you're sorry they feel that way. (laughs) And you're being empathetic. It's all about tone, too. Tone is huge. Um, But again, staying, you need to stay on an even keel. And sometimes there are times where you're not going to, even a manager maybe can't. At that moment in time, if they're still irate on the phone, it may be, you know what, Joe, I'm really trying to make you happy Sir, would you like to call me back, you know, maybe in a few minutes? And sometimes there's just no saving them at that moment in time. So it sounds crazy to say, hey, maybe we should talk in a few minutes. I I just think you need a minute to calm down or cool off maybe and call me back. And as crazy as it sounds, I've done it and it works because sometimes if somebody's like super mad, you know how, I mean, I even get that way. If I've been super mad before, Sometimes I get in my mode where nothing anybody is going to say to me right now is going to be right. <laughs> it's just not going to be right. So, I mean, thankfully I have it. I've only had to do that a couple times um, and it's worked out in the end, but mainly if you just stay calm and be empathetic and reason with them and, you know, empathize with how they feel you will in the end it will all work out, but don't get mad with them. Don't get, don't elevate your voice with them. <laughs> Yeah, I, I can't see anything good happening in that scenario. No, <laughs> no, it's it's just it's not gonna work. <laughs> yeah, it kind of makes you think like you know when you're a parent and like you, the kids get upset and you start whispering and then all of a sudden everything comes down. It's like I wonder if that works for adults. It does. <laughs> when, you drop, when you drop your voice down to a whisper, they have to focus on hearing you hearing you talk. They can't be angry anymore. They start to come down. What, are you, what, is, he, what is he saying? Yep, it, is, it does work with adults. Yep, I've had it to where they're like yelling. And I honestly, usually I lower, because I'm just naturally kind of a louder, more bubbly person. Yeah. I will lower my tone of voice and talk very calmly. Joe, so sorry to hear that. You know, and they're kind of like, whoa, hold on a minute. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> not, get, not getting the experience not getting sometimes some people i don't know kind of want to see if they can get a rise out of the situation and when you don't it just 
ends up usually working out. So. Right on. All right. So let's talk about, you know, some things that an advisor should never do. What are some, what are some things that just an advisor should never, ever do in the position? Some of them seem so obvious, but don't ever give something out for free, obviously, without the manager's okay, if need be. And in my opinion, when a customer starts to get like to the point that they're really upset, I feel like it is the manager's job in the end to maybe help with that situation. That's why the manager's there to support you. And I would never, you know, I guess never try and tackle anything that you question if you can do it, you know, that's, that's why you have a manager and a whole team here to help. So I guess I don't, I can't think of anything like that really screams to me, like never do besides obviously again, money, you know? All right. And so for advisors who want to improve and become, you know, million dollar advisors like yourself, a top seller, what should they be doing right now? My best advice is, do well for yourself. If you are happy being an advisor, which I hope most people are, if you're not, maybe that's not the job for you. <laughs> if you're not genuinely happy, you don't leave work smiling. No, we're not going to leave work smiling every day. But if you don't go into work and come out of work, you know, most of the time where you're like, man, today was a good day. Had a great time with my coworkers. I love my job. If you're not like that, then it's probably not right for you. But if you are, if you're happy, and you really want to do better, you not only need to do better for the company you work for, or the repair facility you work, you work for, you need to want to do better for you. So keep wanting to learn more and strive to be better, be organized, you know, continue with those great customer relations skills. All of it's just all about continuing to be better. Um, you know, I, for example, I, I jumped on the Matthew McConaughey bandwagon the other, what was that last week? There was like a three, four hour deal he had, the art of living. I wasn't told by my job to do that. I just did it because how can I be better? Well, heck, let's see what Matthew McConaughey and Trenton Shelton and Tony Robbins, what do these people have to say? You know, they're, they're very successful. How can I be that person? How can I make, how can I apply that to the shop? How can I make certified transmission better? Always wanting to do better. Yeah, I think that's great advice across the board because it doesn't matter whether the company invests in you. It's all about the investment in self. You know, the company is naturally going to want to invest in you even as you improve. Absolutely. Always and always looking to invest in self, it means a lot. Yeah, yeah. The company clearly wants to invest in you if you got hired. You know, obviously they're investing some part of, you know, some of them in you. But you got to want to be better for you. If you don't have a lot of will or want to be better for yourself, and to become like that service advisor that had a million dollar shop, it's you're not really going to get as far as you hope you are because you're only trying to invest a little bit in the company, but you want to, you need to want to invest in you as well. And that's going to do it for us here today at Ratchet and Wrench Radio. Uh, I'd like to invite you to follow us on our social media channels on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, as well as subscribe to our email newsletter, which goes out daily. Uh, and you can find that at ratchetandwrench.com. That's R-A-T-C-H-E-T-A-N-D-W-R-E-N-C-H.com. And may the rest of your day be the best of your day. And we'll see you next week.